you pray with me? <laughs> Holy and gracious God, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As we begin this series, as we continue in it, last week we started with Jesus calming the storm and asking the people, why are you so afraid? And you were challenged to go and think about um, the things that make you feel afraid in this world and where you need Jesus Christ to intervene. And as we continue looking at some of the questions that Jesus asks, remember, he asks <coughs> over a hundred questions in the Gospels. We continue today with another that has to do with healing. But it's also one of those questions that is the core of our faith. Do you believe that I can do this? Now Jesus asks this of the men that come to him, and we want to think about where this story is within the gospel. Because it immediately follows two important healing stories. The first healing that it follows is the one of the woman with the hemorrhage. Remember, she had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, had exhausted all of her resources, paying doctors, trying to get assistance, and she had reached out and touched Jesus' garment, the hem of his robe. She went to Jesus because she believed, if only I touch his robe, I'll be healed. And Jesus tells her after he confronts her, knowing that someone had touched him, someone had taken power from him. He says to her, be encouraged, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Right after that, Jesus was on his way to the rich ruler's household where his daughter had fallen ill. And when Jesus arrives at that place, he finds that the people are saying, you can go away. The girl is already dead. It's too late. And Jesus tells that crowd to go, go away because the little girl is not dead. She's merely sleeping. Now, the crowd responded by laughing at Jesus. So he sent them away. And after they left, he went in and he touched the little girl and she rose up. Little girl, get up. She did. And news began to spread far and wide about Jesus as a healer. So Jesus is leaving these immediate healings, and he's out in the streets, and the people are calling on him. But there are these two men who are blind. And we wonder how they know it's Jesus that's coming. Well, there must be a buzz happening in the streets. They can't see the throngs of people. They're blind. But it could be that they feel the pressing of folks gathering around. They hear the murmurs and the buzz. There's Jesus. Did you hear what he did? Because even though Jesus keeps saying, don't tell anybody I did this, word is still getting out. 
And as they call for him, the word that is in Greek in the gospel here is krazo, K-R-A-Z-O, kind of like crazy, krazo. That holistic cry, calling Jesus with this cry in the animals. I think about that in college. We had this thing during the final, it's called the final scream. Where at midnight, every week of finals week, everybody would go to the windows of the, the quadrangle around our residence halls, and at midnight, everybody would scream as loud as they could. So you can imagine that sound, how eerie it must be to hear all this screaming at once. But it's that kind of cry that the men are calling Jesus with, Show us mercy, David! Have you been there? Have you been to that place in your life when you are so at the end of your rope, you know there is no other way, you know that you can't do it yourself anymore, and you just scream? That's where these men are. And Jesus hears that cross. Believe in yourself. 
We tell our kids, you can do it, just believe in yourself. That's our problem, amen? Because for so long we've been trying to believe in ourselves to do things. We put our belief in human capability. We put our belief in, in our own self-discipline, our own ability to just go a little bit in ourselves. But at the end of the day, we are only human with limited capacity. At the end of the day, if we have to rely only on ourselves, then that's a pretty weak state of affairs. If we think about it, most of the problems we have in the world are because of belief in human beings. We say, well, God calls us to feed and clothe, but I can't do that. So I'm going to put all my hope in some government to do that. And God told us to do that. We say, I believe that this leader is going to embody everything that I believe and hope and aspire to. They're going to make everything better. That's a person, a human being, flesh and blood. It's no better than the Egyptians hoping that Pharaoh is going to be the one who could give them milk and honey. What is it to believe? If you think about that tension we have as people of faith, believing in government, believing in our own church, that tension that we find ourselves in, it's the very same thing that John Wesley wrestled with, because he was a Tory. So he didn't believe in overthrowing the king and the government. He believed, strangely enough, that all of the problems of the world, be they war, or be they hatred, or indifference, all of the problems in the world could be solved when the human heart found peace and healing through Jesus Christ. What a concept! Hundreds of years ago, he understood that if we really want anything better in this world, if we really want peace and hope and love, it's not going to be legislated. It's not going to be brought about by guns and fire and intercontinental ballistic missiles. It's not going to be brought about by anything but Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, that's how we live in peace in this world, regardless of what's going on around us. I watched through social media everything that was happening in Charlottesville yesterday. And I had a lot of tension within my very heart about that. Because I read something about one of the first attacks, you know, that caused harm and injury to the people came from the counter-protesters and tear gas. See, we don't even know how to demonstrate peace the way Dr. King showed us how to, the way Gandhi showed us how to, where you just simply show up and be a person loved. Even the counter-protesters were bringing violence yesterday, and that's a shame. 
Because I live in a country, and I believe in a country that tells me in the very First Amendment that I'm allowed to assemble with my brothers and sisters. I'm allowed to be free with my speech. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you this right now. I may not like what you believe or what you say, but I believe in your right to say it. And I have clergy colleagues that would stamp me down if I say that, but I just did. I don't believe in what you have to say, but I believe in your right to say it. And I'm going to love you because Jesus Christ calls me to love those who I may consider my enemies, those who I consider my friends. I'm called to love in the name of Christ. And so what you have in a pastor is not someone who is ever going to espouse any political ideology to you. What you have in a pastor is someone who's going to tell you Christ loves you. Christ loves each and every one of us and calls us to love one another. I'm here to help you change your heart and deal with whatever it is inside of you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can do this? That's the question we have to wrestle with every single day when we wake up and we're confronted with bills that we can't pay, or we're confronted with jobs we don't know will be there tomorrow, or we're confronted with a diagnosis that isn't even complete, or we're told that our house may or may not be habitable. Whatever it is you are facing, God is there with you. Do you believe in the power of Christ in your life? It will happen for you just as you have believed. That's what Jesus tells us. It's something that his mother knew. In the Magnificat, after she has been told this revelation that she is going to bring the Messiah into the world, she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior who has looked with favor on me, a lowly servant. From this day, all generations shall call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is the name of the Lord, whose mercy is on those who fear God from generation to generation. The arm of the Lord is strong and has scattered the proud in their conceit. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. God has come to the aid of Israel, the chosen servant, remembering the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his children forever. She didn't just hope that God would come and do it. She proclaimed in her song that moment, God has done this. And he did it through her son, Jesus. He will suffer for the sin of the world, die upon the cross, experience resurrection, and give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. God has done this. Do you believe I can do this, Jesus still asks us. Jesus tells disciples, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. 
So where do you need mercy? Where do you need to call out for God to come to your aid, to heal your heart, to heal your body? Where do you need resurrection, transformation, wholeness? Where do you need to cry out with that razzo, crazy scream from within? Mercy, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you believe in this Jesus Christ? I invite later as we will sing our closing hymn. If you want to come forward to the altar and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. If you want to come forward to the anointed and pray over, you're welcome to come. But I pray that all of us can answer this question in the affirmation. Yes, Lord, we believe that you will experience the touch of Christ in our hearts, minds, and very lives. Thanks be to God. Amen. One of the ways we show we believe is to affirm it in our creeds. And so I invite you to stand and join with me number 